The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Did I say that already? I don't know. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right. Uh, being today, uh, 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 you know, everybody paid their fair share day. This this was a story on Hunter Biden earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing here states wait uh, charging by the mile as fuel taxes plummet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, states are finding ways. The article starts out. Uh, to keep the funds coming in in order to maintain the nation's roads. This is from Fox Business. Yeah. Gas taxes have been used for more than a century, but because of electric vehicles uh, coming out and the fact that there hasn't been an increase in the gas tax, well, they need more money. States are experimenting with various ideas that could re- uh, eventually replace these taxes. One proposal that seems to be gaining in popularity would be to charge drivers by the mile instead of the gallon. Does that mean everybody or just those that have electric vehicles? Listen, if you're going to do it, you might as well charge everybody while you're doing it. Well, does the gas tax disappear then? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. We have to keep that for tradition. (laughs) I mean, this is the this is the conundrum that that nostalgia. Yeah, that's right. Nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Tradition and nostalgia. Yeah, because it it reminds us of the good old days (laughs) when we couldn't afford to drive. Mega, um, make American gas again. Yeah, it's it's I think the you know, the the idea has been there for a long time. You're not going to you're not going to win that ever. With your constituents. And but it didn't take long for the liberals in these, especially in the liberal states to come out and say, all right, because they gave you a, a pass in the. um HOV lane for a while, remember? Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, no, we're going to have to do away with that, you know, because traffic and whatnot. And it's like, wait a minute. I went and spent a bunch of money on this car with that incentive in mind, and all these incentives start to go away. Well, we can't tax you here. We're going to have to tax you over here. And, no, I think there have been, they've definitely been trying to do that on the West Coast. 
for a long, long time. And I don't think it's exclusive to electric vehicles. They, they've been wanting to tax the daylights and have been taxing the daylights out of commercial vehicles. And it was only a matter of time before they became or, or before they came to everybody else with their handout. Well, that's easy. That's a stealth tax because it's passed on mm-hmm. to the consumer through right. prices. Exactly. Uh, therefore, the transparency that they claim they want for concert tickets and airplane tickets, for some reason, they don't want for the taxes that they that they put on directly that isn't related to any other consumer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But when you but I, you know what I love about it, what I love about it is especially on the concert tickets, because the hidden fees. Uh, remember when they did it for airlines, though, all the hidden fees were government fees and they were right. breaking them down. The airlines were breaking them down. Go, here's our cost. Mm. Here's what you pay. Now go to this page for the full cost and you can see all the government fees. Yeah. They didn't like that. No. Uh, but they they talk about the some of the ways that they're uh, planning is the drive by the drive drivers by mile instead of the gallon. Others uh, other ideas, taxing electricity from public vehicle charging stations. Another is to tack charges onto door to door package deliveries. No, because that taxes everybody equally. Mm-hmm. And and this is about. By the way, I want you to know that this is. This portion of the show is Gary acting as a Democrat promoting everybody pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. And this is well thought out. In fact, I've spent, as I'm talking right now, stalling the last 13 seconds analyzing it in my head as I talk. It must be a good idea because I'm already talking about it. (laughs) See, here we go. Mm hmm. People that buy electric cars make a lot more than the average person. Mm-hmm. They should be taxed for driving those cars. Number- they have a lot more. You can't say make because that implies earnings. You got to get the oh, mindset of the liberal. I'm sorry. Thank they you for correcting. No, thank you more. for They have. Mm-hmm. They they have, and who knows where they have it from. Uh, oh, I think we all know. You got that suspicion in there, right? <laughs> I think we all know. Really? Where? I'm sorry. I'm not taking questions. Right <laughs> I'm sure we all know where they get their money from. Uh, we all know. But but think about this. The, ele- the, ele- the electric vehicles get uh, a credit. The government, instead of charging them, mm-hmm. we don't get a credit for buying our vehicles. No. They get a credit. They get like $7,500. Right. Well, they should have to pay that back because, well, you guys need to pay. You guys, everybody across the board needs to pay more because electric vehicles are on the road. We'll stop with the 7500 Keep that because that's coming from the federal government, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep that 7500 You got it mm-hmm. right there. The $7,500, do not give that away. You've got that and tax them by the mile for driving their electric vehicles and leave us gas guzzlers alone. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I get 29. My last is, uh, let me see my last, uh, 29.1 is what I got in my new vehicle. In my old vehicle. Miles per gallon? Yes. All right. 29.1. My old vehicle, 2.91. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. What? The worst mileage I ever got, my first car. Mm. 
1967 Ford Fairlane GTA 390 cubic inches. Mm-hmm. Thing flew. Mm-hmm. I swear it could it could fly. <laughs> I never forget my brother and I figuring out because we sort of shared the car. We got six. It was either six miles to the gallon or six gallons to the six mile. Six gallons to the mile. <laughs> yeah. But? Fill the oil and check the gas. <laughs> I was telling someone. I said, I do remember when gas was below 30 cents. So mm-hmm. I am that old. Well, remember the needle dip, too, when you would hit the gas on those cars. <laughs> the needle would just go on your gauge. I'm amazed we're alive. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. My dad actually found the car, and I'm not kidding. It was an older gentleman who had bought the car, then he died, and his wife just took the car to church on Sunday mornings. It was actually, I'm like, you're not going to believe this. She actually said she only takes it to church on Sunday mornings. Right. It only had like, she had, it was like, by the time we got it, it was 74. So that she, car was 70 she years was old. De- she was devout and needed to get there quickly. Yes. Very, mm-hmm. yes. She didn't want to waste any time getting right. to church. Yes. But it was she. It was like a seven-year-old vehicle, but it only had on. Maybe we got it in 73. Maybe it was six years. It had less than 10,000 miles on it. Mm. Yeah. She didn't drive it at all. Mm. And so we were just, uh, I remember, oh, gosh, I remember all the work we did on that. Remember back then, points and condensers? Oh, yeah. Oh. You know, check the carburetor. Yeah. <laughs> right. They still have carburation day at the Indy. Remember that carburetor? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, yeah, and you're, you're going to, when, <laughs> when you get into, again, talking about, the technology, there's no way that they're not going to go to a per-mile tax. And then, of course, the outrage is going to be, well, wait a minute, uh, I shouldn't have to pay this, I shouldn't have to pay that. Because if you look at the per-mile thing, what they will tell you is that, well, on a per-gallon tax, someone can uh, mitigate that by what? By buying a vehicle that's more efficient? You know, if we're talking about the sales tax on gasoline, on diesel, gasoline, any of it, then you can mitigate that by greater efficiency, change in driving habit, all of that that falls under having a more efficient vehicle. Then you get to the point of, well, we're going to save the planet. Yeah, but we still need those taxes. And you're still traveling on the road. So you still have to pay for that road. And I'm guessing at some point it's all going to go to a per mile tax, which means, and they say they um, that it's okay when you register you, or every year when you renew your registration. You know you have to you have to have an official odometer reading or something like that. Well, how long before? Okay, we'll give you a discount on it if you'll put this little tracking device in your vehicle. That actually may be in play right now. I'd have to double check that. And, and then we'll be able to, we'll have a, uh, AI will give us an automatic governor on your vehicle if you're going too fast to slow you down. And then the NSA will, will through 
maps be able to determine which businesses you travel to most often so we can determine all of your behavior and have it all under one roof. <laughs> oh, and you have to pay for it. Yes. <laughs> this is why I bought a horse recently. And <laughs> so far, he's no Mr. Ed. He cannot talk <laughs> and won't. Because the day he learns to talk, I will sell that horse. Thing is, people buy gasoline and still pay the road taxes on it. They're not using it for anything on the road. They're using it for their lawnmower, their snowblower, whatever. You know what you call a horse who can talk? A liar. <laughs> Biden's a horse? <laughs> no, he's just a liar. Okay. He's a human version of a horse that can talk. This, But this is, it's bound to happen. They've been talking about it. For, for far too long. And the per mile tax is going to, it's going to be there. Definitely going to be there. And I think, too, you might even have a uh, an interesting uh, dynamic in play down the road where, okay, we're going to take your gross vehicle weight times your mile and your mileage to determine right. what your rate of taxes is going right. to be. All right. So I'm reading this. I thought it, these two sentences I thought might be part of the Babylon B. Hmm. Electric car sales in U.S. rose from just 0.1% of total car sales in 2011 hmm. to 4.6% in 2021. S&P Global Mobility forecasts they will make up 40% of U.S. sales by 2030. I'm sorry, whose forecast? S&P Global Mobility forecast that uh, uh-huh. they will make up 40% of all sales by 2030. They make up, you know, in 2021, the last they actually did it, 4.6%. And so within nine years, it'll go from 4.6% of sales to 40% of sales. 40. They didn't even go like 20. No, they or or. Or, or even 30. Or they went straight to 40. They went straight to In 40, the next right. nine years, yeah. inside of a decade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, six and a half years <laughs> left. Yeah. That. Yeah, right. Exactly. And people can't afford regular cars. You saw the story out there that, all right, used cars come down a little bit, but they're staying way above pre pandemic levels. And it's like, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, uh, They don't see the cost coming down because of the supply because people can't afford to buy. They cannot afford to buy new cars, and now they can't afford to buy, Mm -hmm. you know, the the supply of, of, um, uh, of, well, let me see, let me see the, uh, oh, I had the story over here before. Well, I I noticed that, and it's anecdotal, but it it also varies by, by region. As opposed to, uh, yeah. you know, new cars is going to uh, start with the OEMs and their costs and everything else. But the the costs going up for uh, repairs as well, based on equipment costs that have just skyrocketed. The components uh, had a family member that had a um, had some repairs here recently, and we were talking about it recently, just a few days ago, in fact, over the weekend, of how expensive. I mean, just over-the-top expensive. 
the components are compared to just a few years ago. And if you want to get your car repaired, it just costs a lot more to do it. Yeah, but they're saying that it's still 34% higher used cars than before, than pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. And they're not coming down. Yeah. People can't afford cars. They can't afford electric vehicles. Yeah, I found some deals in this area, but I think, again, that's not the case nationwide. Uh, It depends on the region that you're in. There's going to be, and and the supply and demand is going to be, it's not like the new vehicle uh, supply and demand. It's it's different. It's depends on the over mm-hmm. the turnover rate of those vehicles, uh, and and how many people are in that region or selling their vehicle, and how many people are looking in that in that uh, sector as well. Eight six six ninety red eye. Food banks and pantries and such are reporting almost overwhelming demand for food assistance. In large part because of the ending of the uh, emergency allotments in the SNAP program. Families are now looking to food banks, community kitchens, and food pantries uh, for additional assistance and help. And Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says food banks themselves are in need of assistance and help as food prices go up along with demand. Vilsack told reporters USDA is making available about a billion dollars to states and territories. Under our temporary food assistance program, TFAP, uh, which basically allows us to provide some additional resources to the states so that they in turn can provide help and assistance to food banks, community kitchens, and food pantries. This money would allow states to buy food commodities from USDA vendors and send those commodities on to food banks and other emergency food providers. And we're hopeful that this assistance and help will make it easier for folks to meet the demand that is out there today. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McMurk. I had that one article that said, uh, you know, car, used car prices are still high, even though they have come down a little bit, but still 34% higher. A couple of other articles say they've been coming down, and they expect that there's going to be a glut of used vehicles in the next year. I think that, I, I just, again, it's anecdotal, but I, I right. noticed that in a number of categories that I was looking in recently, we ended up buying uh, my wife a used car. We were actually looking at, at new ones, and we came across a deal, a, a very good deal. Um, and I noticed there was a very large supply. I, I, I think the markets differ in, in so many ways. And what I was told, at least by a couple of people in the industry here locally, they were saying, what happened during the uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, COVID era is that people quit driving. So they bought a, a car, let's say, in 2019 or 2020. And then all of a sudden they were working for home uh, from home, right? And then the car sat around. They didn't go many places for the longest time. They didn't travel much. So these low-mileage used cars are out there. And then all of a sudden they get back to work and they're looking to trade it in and get something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how big that glut is. Again, it was just anecdotal, but there were some deals when we were looking. Uh, we had talked about this, I believe, in April, the latest figure to come out. Uh, the uh, average new vehicle now, 48000 The yeah. average new vehicle. That's the, my with, – with interest rates, typical loan rates, a new car purchases yeah, a balloon yeah. to 7%. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you think about that cost. The average age of a passenger vehicle on the road hit a record 12.5 uh, years old this year. For sedans, 13.6 years. And for Gary's second small SUV vehicle, mm-hmm. it passed 20 years mm-hmm. last month. <laughs> yeah. to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. Mm-hmm. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right, let's go to the fun part of it. The okay. audio cuts from, uh, from from Friday. All right. And, uh, yes, uh, Hunter and Joe uh, are the uh, <laughs> are the main culprits here. Uh, I, just, I just like how this is written. Mm. Chaos ensues at the White House briefing room. After James Rosen asked Biden spokesperson John Kirby about the explosive whistleblower allegations well i wouldn't say it's chaos he just doesn't he just won't answer the question right (laughs) but rosen (laughs) rosen starts and reads the entire whatsapp oh my gosh email thing and it's just i'm just laughing throughout it because just you're just looking at kirby looking at his face yeah during the entire time. And he has to endure the whole thing because that's yes, the question. Yes, the question is. Yes. Rosen made the question the entire quote from the WhatsApp message. And and just to run over this real quick, the interesting thing that happened on Friday had uh, Merrick Garland come out and say, nope, 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 we didn't hold anything uh, 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 back that the uh, that Weiss could do. 
Uh, Weiss could do whatever he uh, wanted to in the investigation and all this, and the whistleblower is wrong. And the whistleblower comes back and says, well, okay, how do you reconcile this then? And starts going through all the specifics. That information came out from the whistleblower. Uh, Exactly, this is when the meeting was held. The meeting was held October on this day of 2022. Weiss was talking to six particular people. I mean, basically just laid it out what happened. Tell me that meeting didn't happen and those things weren't said. And then they've gone quiet on it. But the fact is we hadn't gotten to that point yet. We hadn't gotten to that point. It was still the questions from the day before about the, the WhatsApp and and uh, you know, everything else that, that mm-hmm. surrounds it. Mm-hmm. Basically, influence peddling is what we're talking now. Yeah. And everybody everybody realizes that. Right. Because the, the, the story there that had come out on Thursday was not about taxes. Right. Right. It was about influence peddling. Mm-hmm. And there was finally a reaction. There wasn't a reaction after the bribes. After the bribe... Uh, whistleblower story, the whistleblower from the FBI, the whistleblowers from the FBI, not the whistleblowers from the IRS. Right. But they sort of let that one slide. And you and I were talking last Thursday, Friday, saying, are they just going to say nothing? Well, they did come out. And the opposition was prepared when Garland came out and said, nope, we did everything fair. He could do whatever he wanted. And then the whistleblower information came out. That's not true. How do we know? And as Shapley says, the the whistle, the one IRS whistleblower, I memorialized everything on email. Right. You so create I, a paper trail right. to make sure. Cre- cre- created a paper trail. Yeah, these, that you know, these are some of the tactics that a whistleblower, especially if they know that they're even thinking about becoming a whistleblower, then what do you have to do? You're going to have to create protections for yourself. You're going to have to create the evidence. Uh, the, mm-hmm. You're going to have to compile the evidence of what you're alleging so that you can demonstrate that, so that uh, in the event of retaliation, then, you know, you're protected by the truth. What is clear now? Absolutely clear. We said it. I saw Jonathan Turley said it. Either the Department of Justice is lying and Merrick Garland Mm -hmm. or the whistleblowers are lying. Yeah. To put it another way, Either all the people that have spoken out that are not under oath and the threat of lying to the FBI, either they're lying or the whistleblowers who are under oath and face jail time if lying, they're lying. Mm -hmm. One side or the other is lying. I think it's important to to distinguish between the two and say one side's under oath, the other side is not. Whatever conclusion you come to, you can come to, but everyone knows that, which is why there's great suspicion, plus the details of the allegations and the fact that none of the specific allegations have actually been denied. Right. But here's Kirby. Or this is James Rosen asking the first question of John Kirby. The House Ways and Means Committee yesterday released documents, their authenticity nowhere challenged. Uh, that included a July 2017 WhatsApp message sent by Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, a Chinese Communist Party official, which stated in its entirety, and I quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, 
If I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father, unquote. So just a couple of questions about this. First, does this not undermine uh, the president's claim during the 2020 campaign and the reaffirmations of that claim by his two press secretaries since then that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with him? No, and I'm not going to comment further on this. We're good. We're good. I'm not, James, James, let me just, let me save you some, let me save, let me save, let me save you some breath. If you're going to ask about this, I am not addressing, I don't, I know you do more than I'd like you to have. I am not going to address this issue from this podium. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great <laughs> gotta go gotta go gotta get out of here i can't answer any of that um but he did say no for the he did say no and i'm not going to answer it so he is saying that none of it undermines they're still sticking with the fact that even though the evidence not circumstantial evidence no but actual evidence exists and i'm not talking about this evidence of the whatsapp i'm talking about biden himself on the voicemail and other emails there he clearly knew what was going on with Hunter Biden's business. That's what they're asking him. And they're still denying that he knew nothing about any of his business activities. And then the questioning continued after uh, he was done with uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Here we go. And secondly, um, the president invited his son Hunter to the state dinner last night. Um, I'm wondering if you could take us into the thinking and decision-making of why uh, the president decided to invite I'm just not going to get into family discussion, personal family discussion. As you know, Hunter is his son. I'm just not going to get into it. Let me ask you this. If if Hunter Biden wasn't the president's son, would he have invited someone who had just reached a plea agreement with federal prosecutors two days earlier? Well, a couple of things. Again, that's his son. It's a, he's a family member. It is not uncommon for family members to attend uh, events at the White House. You could look at past presidents. I'm sure you have. So that is not uncommon. Uh, as it relates to anything uh, uh, related to, uh, to Hunter, I'm just not going to respond to it from here. Okay. Can I follow up on that? Okay. Well, I just called in somebody. Go ahead. Yeah. So, but, I mean, so Kirby wouldn't answer James's question, though. Are you going to answer the question? Not a reasonable question to ask no, with the President I- of the United States was involved, as this message seems to suggest, in some sort of a coercive conversation for business dealings by a son. Is that something, if he wasn't, then maybe you should tell us. So here's the thing, and I appreciate the question. I believe my colleague... Very quickly here, she's lying. She does not appreciate the question. (laughs) All right, now we continue here. Uh, At the White House Council, uh, has answered this question already, has dealt with this, has uh, uh, made it very clear. I just don't have anything to share outside of what my colleagues have shared, uh, and so I would refer you to him and the the DOJ. Just not going to comment from here. I will, what I can tell you is I know that my colleague has dealt with this. He, he uh, addressed this at the White House Council. I just don't have anything else to share. I just, I just answered the question. I just answered the question. Yes or no, was the president involved in the shakedown attack? Stephen, Stephen, I just answered the question. I just said, I just, this is, it's not up to you how I answer the question. I just answer the question by telling you my colleagues at the White House Council has dealt with this, and I would refer you to them. Go ahead. Can you just remind us what your colleague said 
from the White House Counsel, so we have it. I would, I would, I would refer you to them, and they will share their statement with all of you. Your statements from that podium. You stated that the president stands by his comment from the 2020 campaign that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with his son. And you stood at that podium yeah. and you reaffirmed that. Do you stand by your reaffirmation? I, what I will say is nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I will leave it there. Anything else, I will refer you to the White House Counsel. This is not a change? I just answered the question. You, asked, you just asked me, do, does my statement change? I just told you nothing has changed. That's answering the question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Stephen, I'm calling on your colleague right now. Go ahead. Thank you. To, to follow up on my colleague, is there anything that you can say with regard to this text message and what the president's son was alleging? Was the president there or not? I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House Council. They have addressed this, and I refer you to them. Go ahead. Karine, have you spoken to the president about this? Have you asked him whether he was there with his son on July 30th? This is not a conversation that I've had with the president. Again, I would refer you to the White House counsel. Do you plan to have that conversation no. with the president? No. Did the president speak with the attorney general at all? I, can't, I, I, I cannot say uh, if the president uh, had had a conversation with the attorney general last night. What I can refer you to is the White House counsel's office as it relates to the uh, allegations. Uh, they've already addressed this. This is something for them to deal with. I refer you to the Department of Justice. Okay, we can we can sign because it continued even uh, more than that. But the, the thing is, normally she's trying to bail out of this, hoping yeah. that somebody has a different question. Um, no, no, no. You're not going to have a follow up. I'm, I'm addressing, I'm addressing your colleague over there. Colleague, well, let me follow up. You see how many times they said, let me follow up on what he said. Let uh-huh. me follow up on what mm-hmm. she said. I'll follow up on what he said. Mm-hmm. I want to follow up, and she's just getting frustrated. Oh, and and it's beautiful because normally she is used to again a very compliant press, but they're not getting they're they're not getting their talking points from the White House. No. And so no. they realize they're not going to get any questions answered. And that is just going to be, you know, I did see some things. Well, the uh, the whole Russia thing took the media off it a little bit. May have taken it off over the weekend, but it's back again today. Because the Russian thing will be really out of the news. Yeah. And sure. there's not going to be a lot of questions. If she holds a press briefing today on that, it's all going to be on the question that they won't answer. And you're not going to get away from that. There's no way to turn the noise on this down. And so you're you're in a situation now where she's stating that I can't answer any of your questions on the only question concerning the president that people have today. Uh, uh, the only answer for them is to go on vacation for the next couple of weeks. We're not going to have any press conferences for a while. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> have a great Independence Day, everybody. Right. And, you know, with Hunter hanging out with his dad, listen, he wants to be where the press can't get to him. What better place than right behind <laughs> Joe Biden? He wants to hide. <laughs> this, there is no better place. I want to avoid questions from the media. Well, Where's the best place in the world to avoid questions from the media? Right behind your father. He he may show up behind Kareem Jean-Pierre yeah. this coming week. Right. Well, I figured I'd stand here where 
I don't have to answer any questions because she doesn't. Well, just just stay but, close to your father. He walks out the the other door and just waves. But just just think about it though. I mean, that's where you were the other day. Almost every single question was on this. Yeah. And she's sitting there basically, I can't answer it. I can't answer it. I can't answer. 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 There is no there is no answer. Right. But she stuck by it. She said, I stand by where, where, you know, nothing has changed. So the White House is still saying that Biden knew nothing about any of his son's business activities. We know. Somebody should challenge her and say, excuse me. Okay, you can make the case that this WhatsApp is an allegation from the whistleblower. Are you saying that the president... In his conversation on the voicemail, was not discussing Hunter Biden's business. Isn't that the direct evidence? And how do you respond to that? Yeah. And then here say, I suggest you go to the White House Counsel's office. But you're the one that stated this. Yep. I'm asking you about the the answer you gave, and you gave it again the other day. How do you reconcile that with the voicemail? And the other specific emails. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. The Supreme Court will be busy this week looking at uh, student loans. Student loans, uh, affirmative action, yeah, uh, and a couple more cases. So the calendar uh, for SCOTUS uh, looks like uh, orders today, opinions tomorrow, and then typically in their last days they may add some opinion dates along the way, which would be Wednesday, likely Wednesday and Thursday if they if they need them. Um, and 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 as late as Friday, um, but typically Friday is clerical stuff, wrapping it up uh, to wrap up the, the session before they leave for the uh, Independence Day holiday. But, yeah, big decisions this week coming down. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? (laughs) You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.